Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And you know what? I look at people and I think, if they can do it, I can do it. When I went to the doctors at 18 and I said I think I'm an alcoholic, I think he thought I was far too young. So I was 18. I'd written my mum a note. She already knew about the bottles of vodka that I'd tried to hide. She'd mentioned it to me, but she was so, like... I... I couldn't tell her when I started my period because it was so uncomfortable talking to her. I'd grown up knowing my auntie had committed suicides, but I couldn't ask why. So when I'm feeling a bit shit, how do I say to my mum I'm feeling a bit shit? That was an extract from Seagull, written from Verbatim and originally performed by Helen Vine, directed by Fiona McAlpine. It's part of a series called Talking Taboos, monologues around similar themes, and I will be talking to Helen the woman behind it all in a little bit. Before that, though, I should acknowledge that this is, I suppose, in a way, after a fashion, the Honest Actors podcast. And I am most definitely, without question, Jonathan Harden. Jonathan Harden also needs to apologise in the third person or otherwise for not supplying the final interview of the Honest Actors Series 3 it was, um, as promised I think about 8 or 9 months ago I told you that a final interview would be making its way to the feed within a few weeks and it did not come, it has not come but it will be coming at some point in the future I'm not willing to commit anything beyond that because I've let you down once before uh, in my defence my life has changed quite a lot since then and I may explain that further when that interview eventually does go out but it is recorded it is not edited and that is what's holding it up. I just need to get that to sit down and uh, and get stuck in. But I will do it as soon as I can. Um, talking to booze then. Talking to booze. Um, the full range of, the full, I guess, uh, suite of monologues is available at talkingtaboos.co.uk. That's talking, T-A-B-O-O-S.co.uk. It's being launched right as this podcast is appearing on the feed in Equity in London. And you can also hear a full version of Seagull, the monologue from which you just heard an extract, and another complete monologue entitled Access, performed by yours truly, on this very podcast feed. So if you enjoyed that extract, and if you listened to the interview with Helen and you think you'd like to hear more, you need do nothing but sit here and listen, and those two full monologues will be coming into your ear holes. Enough of that for now, though. Here it is, the interview with Helen Vine, 
enjoy. So, uh, this is slightly weird because I don't do a lot of interviews about things. In fact, I haven't ever done an interview about a thing. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to go straight in and risk sounding a bit like Alan Partridge and say... <laughs> What's the big idea? Uh, what are we? What are we talking about? What's What's the project? So the project is called Talking Taboos, uh, which actually is funny because the amount of times I've said it that people have said, "Oh, talking taboos," is in talking to alcohol. Uh, that's clever. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm thinking, yeah, actually, alcohol is a massive part of this project, actually, but. Um, but that's not what I, that's not it at all. So it's talking taboos. taboos right? Yeah. I'm acting like I don't know this. Yeah, so <laughs> that's funny. I should oh. declare when I ask you what the project is. I do know what the project is. This isn't some random chat where I've been, uh, you know, blackmailed into having a conversation with an actor because they have some dirt <laughs> on me. Like I, I am actually a part of this. So um, a few months ago, I went over to lovely Norwich <laughs> uh, for the first time in my life. If you haven't been to Norwich, by the way, and this is not with any hint of, uh, you know, uh, irony or anything, go and visit Norwich. It's belter. It's like <laughs> properly the best. So uh, yeah, I went to uh, Norwich and stayed with Helen um, and uh, we recorded a monologue for this project. So it's a collection of monologues, right? But it's not... It's not just straightforward, like, you know, you haven't just asked playwrights to write monologues. Uh, what's the what's the kind of, what's the process by which you got these monologues together? So, yeah, so I, thinking about it from the beginning, I really wanted to tell people stories, um, which, I mean, I know is like a massive part of just what we do as artists and uh, storytelling is just huge. But um, I guess it was more like, that raw kind of storytelling you get in a situation where someone has just opened up to you massively and said some stuff about their life that is really heartbreaking to either hear or for them to say or both. And uh, and I find that really kind of... Sometimes I sit there and listen to people telling these stories and think, oh, God, these need to be heard because they're not heard. Um not not in that way kind of thing. Uh, and it all came from uh, a place, a really personal place for me, that was about addiction. So I have a, a loved one that is an addict. And, uh, and I really wanted to tell the story of an addict um, because I met quite a few addicts when I went to visit my loved one in rehab. And I had this huge kind of, compassion for for what they have to go through and and how it's just this lifelong disease um and I then had some kind of therapy uh through something called Al-Anon uh which I discovered which is amazing it's just free fellowship where people in the room are all they all have a family member who has a um has a problem with alcohol um or is an addict or both and uh yeah, and it's a way to connect um, and to find a recovery process for yourself as a family member or anyone that you know. It could be a friend even. Um, so, yeah, so I I suddenly felt this urge to kind of create something, use my skills as, as an artist, um, an actress, and just, 
yeah, try and tell stories that are taboo in society. And that, that came from the fact that I felt like it was kind of shameful to, to talk about what really is happening um, with with my addict. Um, I wanted to protect them. Uh, and I kind of could see in society that it is one of those things that we don't really want to know about maybe or if we if we do it's it's kind of it's dark and it's scary and um yeah it's 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 just a absolutely devastating disease addiction um so so that was yeah. your kind of personal that's your personal connection to it in that um you like i guess a lot of people um i mean a lot of creative people have gone through something traumatic um both at a remove of one and also your own personal trauma related to that, right? Mm. Um, and your instinct has been, after I guess a time of being able to process something, to go, what can I do with this? Not just to help process it for me, but to help either illuminate a circumstance that isn't, uh, you know, you feel isn't being discussed enough or in this case is taboo um, and to help other people open up about similar things that are going on with them. So if that's the starting point, then how does it come to be, um, I guess, that you're now sitting looking back on, is it six monologues? Uh, it's five. Five, looking back on five monologues mm-hmm. that you've been through a, a development process, et cetera, et cetera, with um, and have turned that process, you know, seen it to its conclusion. It's going to launch. In fact, it is launching as this is uh, being released on the iTunes. So mm-hmm. it is now launched in a weird kind of bending of the structures of time um, <laughs> uh, and is available for people to listen to online. Like, what is the, what's this stage between the, how did you come to decide it's not just about my loved one's addiction and mm. my relation to that? It's about something bigger. Like what was the process and how did you go from that to a place where you had some monologues to record? So I kind of began to think about other taboos in society, um, either, again, through personal experience or through just life experience, meeting people and recognising things about them. Um, And I kind of, I came up with just endless amounts, really, just writing down things that could be taboo. I mean, the list is endless and... um, But then I thought, okay, this is going to be... I need to structure this into some sort of pilot series um if I'm gonna put like a creative spin on it um Mm. and I went for the idea of radio because I thought I really want that intimacy of the voice and the listener um I don't necessarily want it to be something that you go to see in a theater that you've kind of decided oh I'm gonna go and see that I'm gonna buy my ticket for this because because I because I'm interested I kind of wanted that I don't know, I guess I pictured someone like me driving the car, like putting on the radio, hearing a voice and a story that like hits you. Uh, and then just that happening's just out of chance and actually it being pretty, um, having quite profound reaction uh, mm-hmm. and making you either massively connect or think, God, I know someone like that and I need to, you know, find the emotional vocabulary to help them because that's what they need and, uh, you know, this conversation needs to be opened up. Um, and then how you find kind of hope and recovery is kind of within these stories as well. 
Um, so yeah, so I kind of thought, okay, radio would be a good idea. Um, let's just go with five taboo topics. Uh, so it's not time. taboos in the kind of sense of like this isn't like you know uh, men who marry their pets or <laughs> you know uh, you know people who like to dress up as babies. Yeah. This is like this is uh, taboos which are tra- of a traumatic nature, I guess, for people. Is that what you mean, like personal trauma? Yeah, it's funny actually. Yeah, because someone did say that to me. Like, oh, I found a story that would work really well. It's like this man that collects shoes on a beach or something. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I mean, that would be. I want there to be humour in this as well. Yeah. And like, yeah. yeah, trauma absolutely comes from from it, really, um, because of like my personal reason doing it. And and yeah, just just the fact that I wanted to kind of hit the really like. Um, yeah, heart, uncomfortable parts of of things that happen to us, and actually things that are really common as well, though that like you know, so many people go through, and yet so what, we can't. Are you are them. you are you able to say what that? I mean, I know you know yeah. what the five are, but is it the kind of thing you want to say, or do you want people to listen to them with kind of uh, fresh ears and and discover what they're about, or um, do you want to kind of give a sense of what the five that you've went for for the pilot series are? Yeah, I'll give a sense because it's probably then quite a good way to then, yeah, people might think, oh, okay, I'll okay. listen. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we've got one about addiction from an addict's perspective, um, okay. uh, who's a young woman. Uh, and that they all have interconnecting themes, which is really interesting. I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. But um, then you've got one about uh, grief uh, from a young man. Um, you've got one about um, infertility and uh, IVF treatment and miscarriage, the journey of pregnancy, basically, um, in in a in a young woman, uh, and loss. Um, and then you have uh, one about alcoholism um, and addiction from the perspective of uh, like myself, kind of thing, a family member who has lived with a disease from through his loved ones, and that's an old, older gentleman. And then there's uh, one about domestic abuse um, that kind of covers psychological uh, mainly, but as well as kind of verbal and physical uh, from a Mm -hmm. middle-aged woman. So, yeah, those are the five. But, yeah, like I say, when I interviewed people, um, I actually found it was mad because things just came up, like miscarriage was the kind of big part of of this one story and then and then this older man was talking about his uh alcoholic uh ex-wife um and said you know she had all these miscarriages and looking back is so yeah i thought oh you know this is everything is connected um and so many themes came up in all of them that just sat quite well and alcohol was actually quite present as well in a lot of them um, um, without so, so I guess one of the things we haven't we haven't actually discussed to get here is that and you've hinted at is the process so um, you talk about from a young man's perspective this is an actual young man or the older man or the young woman mm. these are real people so yeah. you went out and conducted interviews you, you found people who were willing to talk and you conducted interviews with them and uh, then what happened what how did that process go yeah, so I yeah I had a, a an informal chat with these people, um, and they were just very brave and open and honest and wanted to uh, tell their story. Um, so that that was recorded um, and sent to professional writers, 
um, who then I kind of gave him this brief of writing it from verbatim, so keeping it true to word as much as possible, um, but just dramatising it um, for, for like, the purpose of radio um, and actually just kind of restructuring, perhaps. Learned uh, some ship, I guess, yeah. Yeah, um, but generally it is, it, they are just the, the, the true stories and they've been protected and anonymized and facts have been changed. Um, but yeah, it's the, the words. And, and their words are read by an actor. Um, yes, yeah. So uh, that's part of it as well. Um, so listen, I guess uh, there's two things kind of strike me with this is that um, this either by design or by accident must have helped you to process um, some of the things that you'd started to kind of work through it all and on. Um, and my question, if it was to begin, is did you set out to do this in a way to help you get through something of your own? Or have you found retrospectively that it's helped you process something in a way that you didn't intend? Yeah, I think maybe subconsciously. Um, but yeah, because I feel like the catalyst was when the situation, my family situation kind of hit crisis mode um, and like the reality of this family disease and and what was going on was just like so, so raw, so hard to deal with and and we were all kind of in it. And I think that was when, because I'd already had this idea roughly of what I could do, but I I didn't really want to take that leap into kind of, I'm going to produce this whole project um, I I just wanted to continue trying to get work as an actress and and just like think about writing about maybe my own experiences another time, but yeah I think probably a life there was a moment where everything just like kicked off um, and I felt like okay I there's a lot there's a lot here that I can that I'd like to to say and and use and um, and then meeting other people in my situation kind of opened that up. Um, and I realised that actually so much is under the radar. Even even the support groups are under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And and what about the the contributors and the, the the kind of owners of those stories? Have they heard the the monologues back yet? Yeah, most most of them and, have. And how has that? Is that have they found it a, a, a difficult therapeutic? You know, kind of. All the above. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I because this was the first time I've ever done this. I, I was I was worried that I like I've got nothing to compare it to, um, and I didn't have like someone kind of advising me of how it should be done and everything. I just trusted my kind of instincts and kind of worked with those people. So the the story contributors they're either kind of friends of mine or they became kind of good friends and I wanted to build up a relationship with them so it wasn't just hi thanks for the story bye kind of thing um so but they've all actually had very different types of reactions um and yeah that I'm kind of I'm in the process now really of of talk sitting with them and talking through because they've been printed into a book um and kind of saying do you want do you want this book um or not you know like I don't want it to be too overwhelming but actually Someone, one of the contributors said uh, the other day that um, they they actually really like having this record of that that time in their life, and it's really surreal for them to have it, but also it's actually a really healing kind of 
um, process for them as well, where they can just have that as a as a copy. Uh, and then the uh, the older the older man, so he's this this guy in his in his eighties, and he's a beautiful person. Um, I went to see him the other day, and he was he read he read his piece sitting on on this armchair next to the fire, <laughs> um, and I was just sat there like watching him for like half an hour whilst he read it so slowly, and I was thinking, oh god. Um, but he and he he cried a bit, but he he said it was just amazing. He couldn't believe that that this that his story was was being told like this. He said it's all it's all true. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was the idea. The yeah. <laughs> um, and then he asked me to write his life memoirs. <laughs> yep. So uh, yeah, I might have a <laughs> massive project okay. on the go of this. You've like got a spin off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess like I mean because I don't normally chat to people about uh, about projects as such. Um, and I just jumped in there at the deep end and asked people, uh, or asked you rather, um, what was what the project was. I guess um, I should maybe ask a little bit more about you and 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 your own uh, kind of process to get here. I mean, um, is is that 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 personal trauma that you've been through? I mean, I feel like you'd have a buzzer when somebody mentions um, therapy in this podcast because mm. it's such a it's such a constant in everyone's experience or a lot of people's experience. It seems you know so many actors I've spoken to um, will refer to some sort of therapy over the over the course of their lives. Uh, do you feel like um, you were drawn to acting for any reason that's to do with anything any of that stuff, or do you feel like um, any of that stuff has even before this project been is it the kind of thing that you revisit when mm. you're doing things is it something that you use or do you try and distance yourself from those I mean, those kind of painful things that have gone on in your own past are they part of your what you do normally or is this the first time that you've actually went and tried to try to do something with them in a, in a really tangible way yeah it's interesting I often think that because I like in terms of like my approach to methods of acting, I'm I'm quite open and flexible to uh, each each production I'm involved in. I kind of decide with the director or with the other people around me how to approach it. I'm not kind of yeah. I, I don't like to touch my own emotions. I like to always just focus on the character. So I think I because of stuff that I have been through and. Um, and as a child, even I remember. I mean, my home. My, I came from a broken home, and uh, like a lot of people, and uh, and I remember just little moments where I'd be kind of. I take myself outside in the garden as a quite a little girl, and just kind of create a whole world there where I was this kind of uh, in in a state of trauma, and and I would cry or I'd I'd make up a poem or I'd sing or something and I'd imagine there was a camera there and I think there's definite things that that naturally come from from some heartbreak when you're when you're really little um how I that's how I found it and and I do that release of being in in uh in another world when you are acting and given a character and like re- a character especially that has so much depth and emotion and it's, I, don't, I think it's impossible not to draw on anything that you've really felt. Um, but, yeah, it's hard. Like, some things, you, it's, yeah, you start completely from scratch and you don't kind of touch anything. Um, and I've never actually done a piece uh, about addiction. Um, 
actually, well, I did, I did uh, 4.48 psychosis at drama school and I, I took that to extremes. I remember people in the audience being like, oh, my God, like, you must have, like, you must have come close to this before because that was so real. And I did think then, well, I'm glad. I'm glad it was real because, yeah, I guess I have. I, I guess subconsciously, I mean, at that point, I hadn't really... Um, I hadn't really addressed it myself. I hadn't really thought that addiction was like a part of of my my life, my family's life. But um, but it was, and I knew I knew exactly how that character was feeling. So you, yeah, it's hard. Do you um, do you think acting's always had a? And this, I guess, this is more the kind of traditional honest actors' territory. Do you think actors, being an actor, sorry, has had a had a generally positive impact upon your mental health because I know some people you know a lot of people will find uh, you know that working is incredibly therapeutic mm. and working those things through and using those things either by intention or you know by accident or consciously or subconsciously is is nice but I guess my the reason why I'm asking the question is because I know the, the converse is true of not working you know mm. that um that that acting actually can be uh, an emotional drain in itself um, or the the lack of acting work or the lack of opportunity or whatever it is that we go through. Do you, do you feel that, you know, on balance acting has had a positive impact on, on, on where you are with all that or, or if it's still something that, that, that contributes to, to those stresses and, and traumas? Yeah, definitely both. I mean, I, I still, I've really, I've been in the industry now for five years, which um, I guess isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. It feels like a long time. And I and I just, I still massively, massively struggle with being out of work and all the, all the same things that everyone speaks about um, with, your, with your podcast, that it's just, yeah, I can't, I find it really hard to cope when I when I don't know that I'm going to get another job and and if I'm ever going to get to a place where I feel successful or I feel um yeah happy in what I'm doing 100% kind of thing. However, when I yeah, when I'm in I'm in work, I am happy and I also it definitely helps because I just I guess I'm naturally quite an open person and that's a big reason why this project really works hand in hand with me as a person because it's all about opening up conversation about yeah. mental health and and I really want kind of every environment to be that that open so I mean I've seen an ideal world where we we don't we don't judge each other um yeah. and the more you're kind of the more you put yourself in that vulnerable state when you're an actor physically emotionally verbally when you're just like in a rehearsal room I think that helps me to develop as a person 100%. Like I feel I'm more and more kind of sure of myself the more I kind of put myself on the line and, and take those like risks with, with work as well as in my personal life. Um, it is fair to say I spent, uh, but I don't know how much, like 24, like 36 hours probably in your company, less. <laughs> and I think I said when I left that I felt like I'd known you and Bill my entire life uh, <laughs> because we'd had so many conversations about so many deeply personal things. Yeah. And and that that must be part of what you're talking about is that you're, and I'm like that as well, that tendency to just uh want to talk things over yeah and I guess that's made you more acutely aware of what's taboo because I guess some people when you start to do that are like hold on you know we mm -hmm. barely know each other or I don't want to talk about this or I don't quite know what to say mm -hmm. or any of that stuff so I guess that that 
is probably a lot of where the the project has come from, as you say, is your is your natural um, kind of uh, tendency to want to talk about things that are difficult mm. or that are painful or to um, I guess share and and also to listen to see what what other people have to say in return. So mm. I can totally understand that. I guess um, to kind of uh, take it somewhere else. This is a way of you making work for yourself, right? So that's not as cynically done, don't get me wrong. It's that, um, you know, it's a way of keeping yourself occupied is another way of putting this. So uh, whilst you wait for the phone to ring or the emails to ping or whatever it is, mm. um, you've come up with this idea, you've got funding for it from the Arts Council um, and you've been able to not, not only employ yourself but employ other people. Um, do you... Do you think how important has that been for you? Is that the first time you've made something yourself? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and I was really reticent to, to go down that route, to be honest. I remember sitting in... Why? Well, so at drama school, they said to us a few times, like, you know, you really should consider making your own work because it's it's such a good way just to, yeah, you're not waiting around and, and get, get a group of mates together, take them to the fringe. And I used to sit there and think... Nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want the like nothing will come of it. Or you know, I want to put. I want to just go out as Helen and just be employed and be an actor. I don't want to have to have a producer head on or a director head on and be out of depth uh, or out of money. Um, and I even remember so uh, Noel Clark, the actor and writer and director, he <laughs> went to my drama school at LSDA um, and he came in and gave a really inspirational talk uh, and even then because he said like you know how he spent two years I spent two years just in my living room just typing away like I had no idea if anything would come from it and um, and I sat there again thinking oh god I'm not doing that I can't I can't bring myself to to just sit there and, and type away and then what if nothing comes from it I'm broke and I'm depressed like I can't I just don't want to put myself on doing that and and I mean I do love collaborating with people um but I guess as well I've never like kind of had like a moment of yeah let, let's 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 create this um I just maybe I'm just cynical or just think the worst case scenario is going to be that no one's going to want to watch it or hear it or um mm. yeah I, and I, I need to kind of establish myself and but then now in retrospect um I can understand you're wrong yeah I was wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah I guess it is that fear and and also the amount of work I mean yeah like I have worked on this uh, so hard um What's the, if you were saying to someone else as you are there are people listening like what what would you say that Noel didn't say to try and get people to to try it out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was really... Or is it just one of those things? It's like, you know, whenever your parents tell you things when you're younger and you're like, nah, you don't know what it's like. And then like, nah, I find myself doing this constantly. Like, I've characterised the last two years as constantly finding out that my dad was right about everything. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, is it it just one of those things that just stays that you have to go through in order to discover that, you were wrong or yeah, I think is there it's, something you wish you'd known that might have convinced you to do it sooner? Yeah, I think it's self-confidence. I think when you're sitting there, like about to plunge into the unknown industry as a complete unknown and someone 
is telling you that they started like you and look where they are. But I I immediately think, yeah, but but because he's so he's so talented, he got there and 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 that won't be me. Like I I won't be able to to do that. So so I need to find a different route kind of thing um or that yeah I haven't got the skills to wet like making your own work you have to, I don't know you have to have a lot of skills um and I guess I didn't think I had them um but actually I to be honest though I think this all happened at the right time because by the time I've I started on this project I had been in the industry a while to kind of know the structure of like I knew all about equity uh, and how to treat how to treat your actors, how to treat your team, um, and creatively, I had more confidence and in, in um, kind of telling people what I really wanted from them and working with people, uh, not feeling intimidated by them or kind of yeah, just I wouldn't have been able to do it start straight out of drama school anyway um, because I just I didn't have that didn't have the tool set. Um, and it has been like a massive learning curve, and I have felt like I've kind of improvised a lot of it along the way. But um, but I feel so much more kind of I'm so glad I did it because yeah, now I've got something that I personally have created, and it's got a future hopefully, and um, and that yeah, that you can you can make your own work, and I still financially am not on the streets. I've gotten by, and I have managed to juggle other work with it as well. So it's it's not. Yeah, all those things that you think, oh, it's not going to be doable, it's not going to be doable. Actually, it is doable. You just have to take the take the leap, really. Um, where can people listen? What's the what's the all important web address at the bottom of their screens? Um, it's the uh, www.talkingtaboos.co.uk. That's Talking the website. Talking to Booze, T A B O O S. <laughs> yes. Um, listen, there's a couple more questions, uh, which I think are a conversation um, warrants in, in terms of uh, closing this off. And they're honest actors questions of old. Uh, the first is knowing that you are a big union head. And yeah. uh, as I am also, although to my shame, I've never got involved to the level that you have. Um, I'd ask if you could change anything in our industry. If I appointed you, uh, I'm not going to say queen um, because I'm going to go down the Republican route. If I appointed you uh, president of the the industry, not just of equity, for one day and you could change anything, uh, what would you change? I remember this question. It's so hard because there's so many things. What's the top of your list? What would be, you know, if you were just starting to write a list now and and we'll we'll qualify by saying the list will be much longer and obviously sometimes the best things occur to you halfway through a list. Mm. uh, What would be, uh, start writing that list now and and tell me what's at the top. Well, I guess something that came up recently and something that I, that again kind of ties in with this really, is um, when people don't, kind of they're not they they don't they're not honest about what's happened so they're not helping other people so basically like if they have a bad experience with a company or a director or and this stems from like the whole sexual harassment which I've personally had experience of and, and campaigned against um but anything you know any kind of maltreatment within the industry all the shit that happens Quite often, people are scared because they don't want to name names. They don't want to wreck. They don't want to black mark their name. 
Um, and it just it just perpetuates the problem and they're kind of part of it in that way. And I understand it is really difficult to, to put yourself on the line and it's not necessarily putting yourself on the line even. It's just kind of the more that we can kind of filter through the bad eggs from the good um, and just kind of have that like mutual respect of this is how everyone should be treated. Because I'm still in that category of finding just any work that I can kind of thing and I you know I'm not I'm not kind of getting the best kind of the top jobs uh, and I know that even in the top jobs people have of course stories where they they're treated badly anyway um but I see so many jobs go out or I've I've been in jobs where I've even recently just worked with people that are just not not professional um in one way or another um and it's just uh yeah, I, that just gets to me because then I've I've heard people kind of say, oh, um, but I just didn't know I didn't want to I didn't know who to tell, and it's like you can tell equity and they will they will do something, um, they'll support you and and also tell each other because you're protecting you're you're warning other people and we're all we're all there for each other and I think it's yeah that fear because because it's it's because we're inundated and we're all in competition and we've just yeah, yeah it is hard because the telling each other thing is is. Is I guess a valid first step, but I guess like to use the kind of the Hitler of uh, examples, uh, the kind of you know the um, Weinstein thing was very much about a guy who everybody talked about, but nobody was willing or everybody was too afraid rather, and it's understandable as you say why people are too afraid to speak out against mm. in that case in particular. But that there's something about um, telling other people only gets us so far because mm. there will be people here just emerging in the industry who are more likely to be at the end of all kinds of abuse, uh, abuses, I should say, and um, be it yeah. not being paid right or being, you know, sexually assaulted or whatever it is. Um, and that those people aren't party to conversations. And, you know, the industry's always, we always accuse the industry of being clicky and, and, you know, that there's an in crowd and an out crowd and they're, in fact, there are hundreds of in crowds and hundreds of out crowds, and that these conversations between small groups um, are are fine until the point where the the groups are disconnected from each other, and that's where something like equity becomes so important. And mm. and you don't even have to, you know, reveal yourself you if you're yeah. exactly if you, if you don't want to take it to. Uh, you know, legal proceedings to stand up in court, or it's not serious enough for that to happen. It's still worth having a conversation with a representative at, at, at equity, because yeah. it may actually feed into a larger narrative of something they already know about someone, mm. and it helps them to warrant spending money on it uh, in terms of, you know, seeing it through its natural conclusion. Totally. But but yeah. but you, I think we all have a responsibility to and I say this fully aware of the fact that it is incredibly difficult and you've done it so you know more, more than most to stand up and say put your head above the parapet and say listen this is this has happened mm. um but that actually that is we should I guess what I'm, I should say is rather than saying that put the responsibility in those people we should all thank and champion and support and protect the people who have done that and if there are employers out there in a position of employing people they should do their best to find work for those people who feel like they may have made themselves pariahs by speaking up. Mm. Um, because then and only then, in the sense of people have to feel like the industry will protect them rather than mm. punish them. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think maybe 
we're still a while away from that but that, yeah. but that that's probably one of the big changes that we can all do like so there are people out listening going well I haven't been I haven't been or ha- I haven't witnessed anybody being abused in any way but actually what we all can do is 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 be much more protective and supportive of those who have been mm. and who who have st- stood up and, and and you know taken um the mantle and, and spoken so anyway that feels like an aside mm. next question <laughs> and one of the last days um i mean me speaking about it feels like an aside really um the next question is um it's not are you in anything at the minute we're nowhere near there yet um is uh god it's going in my head now it's so long since i've done these helen <laughs> um uh, it's your one next you like? you're, you're, we're uh, all still waiting for your your interview yeah yeah that's <laughs> good i mean uh, my circumstances have changed as you well know um so my time is at a is at a premium so it's like it's finding the time to edit things is my yeah. issue um so uh yeah so um if you could offer yourself advice and, and and this, I guess, I've already asked a version of this, but if you could go back five years and, you know, sit beside yourself in the foyer of your graduation show and have a quiet whisper in your own ear and say, Helen, prepare. I've got a word of advice. What would that word be? What kind of things might you say to yourself to help make the last five years pass more smoothly, pass less painfully or uh, perhaps more successfully or whatever, what would be your advice to, to Helen five years ago? Hmm. I think probably that it's not the be all and end all kind of, uh, because I, I went to uni before I went to drama school and then I couldn't, I didn't get in for years and then I did. And then I'd already kind of t- tested out some other career options. Um, and then when I did go and I did finish and I went into the industry, it's, I was literally like, this is all I have to, all I want to do. It's all I can do, all I want to do. And I think having that attitude is, is great because I still have I still have that attitude and 100% want to be in this industry for life. Um, but that pressure that, I mean, and lots of people relate to this, I'm sure, it's just that pressure you put on yourself then. That um, that your whole life revolves around th- that kind of success, um, and actually, life is just so like multicolored. You've just got so much other things, so many other things that can can give you satisfaction and, and enjoyment, and just and you have no idea what's around the corner and 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 who you're going to meet and and the kind of people that you're interact with, and it doesn't have to all revolve around yeah you making yourself successful as as an actor. Um, and just yeah, just take it, take it easy, take take the time because, yeah, I've like now kind of realised I can do other things in my life, and it's not, and yeah, I can then just wait and see and and well keep chipping away at my work, but um, hopefully it all just adds up in time. Um, I would ask if you're in anything at the minute, but I think more importantly than that, I should say that you one thing you are in at the minute is one of the two monologues that we're putting out. Are we putting two or are we putting five? Uh, or five? Two. Yeah, I mean... Two, okay. I putting think, two. So yeah. one of the two monologues that is now um, alongside this, so if people are listening and they would like to hear more of this, then they can 
by doing very little but waiting for them to queue up and play. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one thing that you're in. Um, and because I started off with a bit of a partridge uh, straight in at the deep end, uh, I'll finish one. It's been nice talking to you, Helen Bag. <laughs> See what I did there? It's no, because it talking taboo is, is the name <laughs> of the project. And then what I've done is I've went talking to, to like ta you talking to you. So you know, and people yeah. and the amazing thing is no one's offered me any presenting work off the back of this podcast. I can't oh, work sure. at it for the life of me. Yeah. Like surely BBC Breakfast, if Charlie State is the is the standard by which they're <laughs> judging themselves, surely. I should be in BBC <laughs> Breakfast with cheese like that. Come on. Anyway, Definitely. listen, it has been lovely talking to you. I'm going, I'm going to keep That's on what pushing you can that. title the, uh, the episode as. Talking to you. Yeah. Helen Vide. Aha. <laughs> I mean, I can't resist. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you as well. Really appreciate all good. your time. Um, so, listen, that's, don't, you don't appreciate my time. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it, right? We're done. So, as I said at the top of this, there are two full monologues uh, available on this feed. One is Seagull, performed by Helen Vine. The other is Access, performed by Jonathan Harden, who is, he never heard of him, but, you know, you can judge him for yourself. Uh, They're right here on that feed right now. The full Talking to Booze monologues are available at talkingtoboos.co.uk. And they are great. I think they're brilliant. They're all written from verbatim and uh, they're all very different, but obviously thematically linked. So please do go and check that out. That's all from me. Thanks for listening. And like I said before, I'm not going to promise when. I've let you down once, but there will be a final, final, final installment of the Honest Actors podcast to round off the whole adventure. It's coming your way. Until then, thanks for listening as ever. Be good to yourselves and each other. 